I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Oh, oops, the podcast fans. Good news, we're starting again. A new one, a new oops. It's Francis and Julio. What's up, bro? As DJ Khaled would say, another one. Another one. An another, a new one. I, dude, I like that. I like the idea of taking hip-hop intros and having Francis fully enunciate them. I love rapping with another the perfect, one. The perfect <laughs> diction. Because so many of those rappers didn't do it when they right. recorded their tracks. Quite the contrary. It's a disservice to people who, who like uh, deciphering lyrics. <laughs> I don't like having to go on... Lot. What's that? What's that lyric website where they explain rap lyrics? Genius. Rap Genius. Yeah, yeah. I don't like going on Genius to have to figure out what Drake was talking about. I'll tell you what, man. A lot of the time on Rap Genius, I have found not a lot of the time, but occasionally on songs that I'm kind of like unsure about the lyrics, I realize that Rap Genius is wrong sometimes. Come on. Because I think there's a user community that uploads lyrics. So a lot of time, I've looked for like Wu Tang songs where a lot of the times you'll be like. They'll kind of like make a. There's so much vernacular also that's specific to their like whole thing. That's true. That sometimes you're like, is that a word? Did they make that up? Is that an inner reference? And sometimes like the thing on Rap Genius will be completely different than what is being said. That's so true. And like I have a Scrabble dictionary, but I could really go for a Migos dictionary. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, I can help you with that. Oh, yeah? For example, when 12 is the police. When they say fuck 12, they are talking about the police. Is there, is, there, is there a way to figure out why that's the case? Because I feel like... Something having to do with some code, like code 12 or something. Yeah, but aren't... Okay, so... Oh, no, that's, I think that means narcotics. A twel- like code 12 is like a narcotics police or well, something. Well, Julio, in, in one you, fell swoop, sure. I no longer have any faith in you because now Chris you is, went Chris from... Chris is confirming. Yeah, but you went from Popo to... Uh, you know, to narcotics. And no, those but are narcotic, two totally... the narcotics division. Like Migos a has a, a code so specific that <laughs> they are specifying police divisions? Yeah, like, because these guys all supposedly, the bando is the abandoned building that they would create and distribute drugs out of. So when the bando was raided, it would be a code 12. By the police. I know the bando as the stash house. That's how I know it. Right. Which is the same thing, essentially. Is it? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. I I feel like we're we're clearing this all up. This is good. I have a question (laughs) for you, dude. Yes. Are you friends with your high school friends? That's a good question. Do Um, you have friends from high school? Yes, is the answer. How, yes. how often do you stay in touch with them? Well, I talk to them semi-regularly. They're all, they're, for the most part, are very, very supportive. Um, and as far as, like, my career goes, like, they'll come to stuff if it's near them or they'll even come to the city sometimes. They'll hit me up. We'll talk. We don't hang out a ton. But, okay. like, I think that hanging out a ton would be unusual, given the fact that, 
we're not all in the same proximity. I will say that my friends in New York City, I don't see a lot, but it's because we have conflicting schedules. Hmm. What about you? I, I don't like my high school friends. <laughs> I don't like the people I knew in high school. I had maybe two friends in high school. Really only one that I, to this day, think positively of. So that means at the time as well, or just now that you look back on it? No, in high school, they were great. I mean, I don't know. They were solid. And look, maybe I'm going to sound like an asshole. I don't think any of them are listening to this, but high school wasn't great for me. Right. It was not a good time. Why? I didn't know who I was, Mm -hmm. but I certainly knew that I wasn't Mr. House Party mr checking out cool kid popular let's inhale whatever's under the sink guy that wasn't who i was right and i was trying so hard to figure out who i was going through so many iterations of myself that it was impossible to for anyone to get to know me or to like me really. Right. (laughs) But what was established as cool was not who I was. So the mold that people wanted in high school, I couldn't give to them. Gotcha. But you, but it seems like you may do like they give you a hard time for getting good grades, but like you were cool enough that you would smoke some weed with them and stuff. Yeah. But you know, the, the reality was I either, I, w- I either went so full full bore in one direction or the other. So, like, I was either Mr. Completely Clean, Sober, Don't Do Drugs, like, staying out of it myself, or I was, like, the guy buying the weed from the, t- the 12 stash house. <laughs> I did that one time. I had to go buy the weed, and it was at this place called Grant Street in Portland, Maine, and I walked in, the guy ID'd me. Wow. And I had a fake ID. What? And he was like, the reason nobody's caught me is because I only sell to people who are older than 18. And I was <laughs> like, nice okay, job, well, <laughs> David Proctor at your service, 18. <laughs> uh, I'm 24, <laughs> you know? Uh. That was the name on the ID. And... um he sold it to me. He sold, he had guns, this guy, he had guns on his bed. They were just on the bed, handguns. I was spooked, but I bought a quarter. And later that night we got caught by the police <laughs> by the 12 and, uh, fuck, 12. fuck the 12, fuck the one too, man. <laughs> well, dude, the, it's funny. I was just watching a, like a docu thing about Maine state prison, solitary confinement. Oh God. It sounds like maybe this guy ended up there, dude. <laughs> You know, he may have done. He was, even even at that age, I could tell that this guy was not doing well. This was not a New York City Coke dealer who pulls up to your door in his BMW. You go down and you circle the block as he hands you back a bag. Right. By the way, those guys always seem to have their girlfriend in the front seat. Don't those guys sell cocaine too? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I said Coke. I said oh, that, that's, sorry, the, sorry. that's the Coke guy. They, they always seem to have their date right. with them right. on the company. Yeah, that's very yeah. funny. 
Um, anyway, <laughs> so, so my, my question about this, though, is, is about high school friends, right? Right. Because I have a theory, and it's going to be controversial. Okay. My theory is that if you, to this day, if you're in your 30s or, like, late 20s, right, and your best friends to this day are your high school friends, then it either means that you went to like a super good school or the worst, most dangerous high school in America. <laughs> I very much agree with this. Like see if you can see if you can predict my reasoning behind this. I want to see if you can play this out. Okay, well, I'll say this. The the as far as and I see what you're saying. Um, there's a couple of things behind it. First of all, I think that with the really good school theory, there's this thing about like, you know, achieving success that sort of like makes you change. So like these kids who come from these good schools, like they're already at the top of like the quote unquote social totem pole. So their friends that they made in high school are the people who are going to kind of remain their friends because they don't need to do any navigating to find a new social circle or a new work circle. I thought yeah. I was thinking about that. So I think that you, Whereas I've made a lot of new friends. I'm still friends with my high school friends and I love them and stuff. Um, but I spend a lot of time with the friends who I've made as an adult. And I think part of that is because, you know, you, you, I'm in the city now and I'm kind of like navigating through these different things. Whereas these kids who are from the city, for example, those friends are, those, they're going to stay in the city. They don't mm. relocate. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I think that's true. There's definitely a, a, a geographical element to this oh. argument, which is that, like, yeah, certain places you just are encountering more impressive people. If you move to New York City or some enlightened place, I don't know. I don't want to say Silicon Valley, but places where, you know, either the nightlife is really cool, the people are smart, very urban, or not urban, um, I think the word is urbane, actually, or <laughs> cosmopolitan, right? Yeah. Those people are going to be more impressive than your small town, small minded high school friends. For, for, right. If, you, if, if you're going to say it that way. And hopefully you'll gravitate towards the more impressive. My life friends that I have met since high school. If you put them up, like select five of my closest friends that I've made since high school, and then you put them up against like my five closest friends from high school, mm -hmm. in any contest, whether it was a fight, Jeopardy, Family Feud, chess, raising money, making money, my friends since high school are blowing those other guys out of the fucking water. Right. And, and by the way, it's not just Harvard kids I'm talking about. I'm talking about like comedian friends, New York City friends, people I've met on the golf course, wherever. Right. I, I just, and, 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 and to go back to my original point, you either went to, if your best friends to this day are your high school friends, you either went to a really good school in high school or a really shitty school, right? Because there's, to me, there's two schools of thought. It's what you said with the really good school where everyone is, you know, hoping to go to college and they're popular and the parents have money. The parents they, have yeah. money. And these are yeah. people that you can kind of surround yourself with and you never feel the need to fucking change or build or move on because it's right. comfortable. Right? right. Totally. Or 
your best friends are the kids that you were with when like buddies of yours were getting shot. Right. Or like arrested or just like making life altering decisions. Yeah. You, you had to help your buddy raise his first child when he was 17 years old. Like there you've been through hardships and things that bonded you, you know, like you, you wept together, even though you were hard AF. Right. Or you, or you both sort of like, you didn't make uh, that any, and not that you should, not that you should, but like you were in the same high school together. And I think it kind of boils down to maybe a geography thing to some degree as well, because the chances are you probably stayed within close proximity of that high school, which enabled you to A, stay, stays kind of similar to how you were. Mm-hmm. And B, be able to just execute seeing each other because you're living the town over. Okay. All right. So, so here's my question, right? You said you do love your high school friends. Do you stay in touch with them? Uh, I do. I, I wish that, honestly, I'm going to, I wish that I was better at staying in touch with my high school friends who live in New York City. And I feel like there's some tension because we don't meet up a lot. But I, I don't know how well they understand that I just can't. Like, I can't hang out at night. I can't get after work beers. I can't, or I'd be doing myself a disservice because so much of comedy is being present and being right. around and, you know, whatever. So Okay, but that makes but, sense. But, but the, okay. the friends who are out of the city, I talk to them a fair amount. I would say, uh, I would say an un, not like every day, but I keep up, I try to keep up with them. Do you see them? Not really. Sometimes, like, if they come to one of my shows, if I'm in Connecticut or... If I'm in another city and they're there and they, you know what I mean? It'll be usually, um, it'll be usually a thing. Honestly, I feel bad saying this, but it's typically more convenient for me than it is for them. Maybe like yes. they'll be supporting me and I yes. feel guilty about that. But like, I'm, I'm happy with just talking to them to maintain our friendship, but that's, that's pretty much how it's been. It's gone. Um, do you, what about your college friends? My college friends, I would say it's about this. It's a similar thing, man. It's, it's, and I, I didn't anticipate that, but. To your high co- school friends. My college friends, I'm more likely to see because there's a higher volume of them in the city. Okay. Or in LA or like the cities that I'm in. Mm-hmm. However, now that a lot of them are having families and stuff, like I, I don't see them much, but I, I stay in touch with them. And honestly, maybe a little bit more than my high school friends. Okay. Guys. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm, download it now. What about you? Well, I'm, 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 I've got this theory bubbling. It's, it's per- percolating, you know? And I don't, it hasn't fully formed yet. But the basis of the theory is that if your best friends to this day in your 30s are your high school friends, it means you have not branched out enough. You have not tried hard enough to grow. 
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, dude, listen, I don't, I think there's value to that school of thought. I don't know. I don't know because it's entirely possible that you went to college, you focused on your studies. Maybe you went to a, a college for reasons, you know, that like you, you had to, to go to a place that gave you scholarship or something. So the people you met weren't, weren't of your choosing, right? In college, we're often thrust together with people and you didn't like those kids as much, but, but your high school friends are actually very impressive, right? That's right. possible. Right. But I feel like that's the exception to my rule. Right. Well, I, here, there's something else to examine here, though. I mean, I don't necessarily think that I need all my friends to be like massive successes. No, but you know what, Julio? <laughs> you, you know what? Here's the thing, okay? <laughs> I was... This is the thing, okay? I have a group chat with friends of mine from college, mm -hmm. and I learn things in my group chat. That's great. They discuss COVID and the implications on the economy, and, uh, and, and they all work, many of them work in finance. They've got all kinds of different jobs, but they're all very fucking smart and very successful. And that group chat is so much more mind expanding and important on my life mm -hmm. than any group chat that I would be in with high school friends. Right. Fair enough. I, I'll, I'll say this though, in, in regard to that, I have found that when I re-encounter people from high school who in my head, I just assumed stayed the same they were when they were 18 years old, they tend to impress me with how they've evolved as people. And I'm like, I'm a prick for just like passively assuming that they're losers. Did like, you go to a good people. high school? How was your high school? It was okay. It wasn't, it was an okay public school. We were led to believe that it was a great public school. Looking back, I don't feel that way. We weren't like sending kids to all these great schools, but kids did go to good schools. There were like the top of the class would go to good schools. Um, I went to a very good public school. Right. And which is interesting now that you're saying when you say that, and then you refer to the kids that you, that you remember that would lead me to believe that those kids all did a lot of like, like they all went to good schools and they have got good jobs and all that stuff. It sounds a little similar to what you said, which was that the top of the class, like our AP calculus class went to very good schools. Right. right. Uh, but the drop off from there was pretty steep. Yeah. I, we had a, good, a solid mixed bag as well. I mean, we had kids, you know, it's all about zoning, right? Right. And some state legislator arbitrarily drew a map about the school district. Right. And you just feel like it was clustered around some pretty nice neighborhoods. And then they went a little, they added a little bubble. And that bubble was the trailer park that led to all the people who are now washing dishes at the Muddy Rudder and have multiple children with multiple partners. Well, you know what? That says something sad about our country then, dude. From like How a social, so? From a social mobility standpoint. Like, you're a kid who grew up in the shitty, what you're describing as a shitty conditions, and it just sounds like that's a massive disadvantage. Fine. There's truth to that. And yes, I should not make fun of those people. But there are also kids that went to my high school who grew up in very good households, whose parents had plenty of money for their college tuition, and they squandered it all because they went off to the University of Colorado Boulder and they started partying their faces off. They put on a freshman 15 
They got D's, they got kicked out, and they had to come back and try to finish college at the University of Southern Maine, which isn't great. Right, right, right. There are just as many kids that did that, and I don't know what the fuck they're doing now as kids who never had a chance. Right. So, fair, totally. Um, And I think that um, that kind of, like, goes to show, you know what I mean, like you said, that I guess it, it... you can definitely squander these good opportunities and end up to be being a bonehead. But I think that like a bonehead, <laughs> I like bonehead. Right. But dude, I was a fucking bonehead, dude. Like I went to college. I, I didn't even, I barely visited colleges. I applied to a bunch of colleges. I didn't care. I wanted to play division one tennis just so I could say that I did. Cause I thought that would be cool. It didn't matter. Like it is cool. It's it is cool. cool that you did that. You I had know. jackets. I know it was cool. It was definitely cool, but you, you know, it's do not you like, still have any jackets. I don't think so. I, I don't. I try not to like hoard memorabilia. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, I'm I, keeping my. I've got all my Harvard lacrosse gloves and some shorts that I am saving to give to my son someday. That's very nice. I my parents have like trophies and stuff stored. My point is, I don't. I I look back on my attitude and I feel like I was a fucking loser. Like I didn't focus at all in school until like second semester junior year of college. Completely wasn't caring, learning, doing building, doing shit. I got kind of lucky to, to kind of like get, make, make my way through it. Did, did good enough, did good enough. Was kind of always that kind of guy. You know what I mean? So I'm not, what'd you say? Do you regret it? Yeah, I do. And I, and I kind of think I reference it in, in things that I do now where like, I fear feeling that way. So I want to make sure that I'm doing the things that will prevent that from being the case. Yeah, but what it, it could have been way worse. So, I mean, you so, could never have woken up. 100%. But here's the other sleeping thing. Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> exactly. Well, she wakes up, doesn't she? Yeah, because some dude comes along and, like, makes out with her while she's yeah. unconscious. She got lucky on that one. Yeah, I guess. If that's the <laughs> dude, way you want to look at it. I feel this way. I feel that college was a great opportunity to have an opportunity to find figure out who I was, who I wanted to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you're in high school and you're, you have such a small sample size, you don't know enough about like other places. And like, I met so many people from so many places and I kind of had an opportunity to kind of like compare myself to all that in shaping what I wanted my future to be like as a person. Yes. And I think that is invaluable. And to have the option to be able to do all that, to not have had that, in my opinion, would have been doing myself a disservice, a massive one. Fine, fine. But I think you don't truly figure out who you are until you are on your own. And what I mean by that is in high school, you're surrounded by your high school friends. You can define yourself based on your your status in terms of the social hierarchy. You can define yourself based on the clubs that you're part of, the sports that you play, all that bullshit, right? Uh-huh. College similar deal, right? You're surrounded by people who can distract you from asking yourself the real difficult questions, even in your first couple years after college, depending on what you do. But if you move in with roommates and you're out partying or you're going to bars, you're making a certain amount of money, whatever. Yes, there's an era, there, there's a, a sliver of independence, but it isn't to me until your late 20s and when you are 
really asking yourself difficult career questions. You're starting to find maybe some upward mobility professionally. Maybe you start, maybe you live alone or you move in with a, with a girlfriend. That's when you start to really figure out who you are, what makes you happy and how you envision your life going for a long period of time. I agree. I agree with that. And I just think that the people who continue to cling to their high school friends even that long are refusing to evolve. Right. Right. I now, you know I I, I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying. I you know I think that it's an interesting point for sure. I mean I get I get it, you know. Um Do you do you ever wish do you ever wish that like so this topic is fascinating to me. And sometimes I wish that I had a professor of a sociology class who would assign me a paper to write on this. So then I could read and find like six masterminds who have written full textbooks on this very theory. And then I could emerge from that paper at this point in my life with a far better understanding of what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> it would be funny if you got an A on the paper, but the, underneath it was like, but you're a dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, what here's the thing, say? too. What's up? Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, in high school, like, those kids who were like assholes to the kids who did well in school, right? Those kids were like pick on whatever. And then those kids end up getting good jobs. And then they're the whole time they're like, those guys are going to mow my grass someday, you know, and then they're 30 and they're killing it and they're making all this money. And to like be holding this grudge against teenagers is insane to me because you know, those guys who grew up now who maybe are cutting the grass, that, that particular guy you hated, who was a dick to you. I'm sure he doesn't still think you're a dork. He probably was, he probably like thinks it's cool that you're successful. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a good point. And wants to work point. for you. <laughs> a lot of the people who wouldn't invite me to their house parties or who, you know, spoke ill of me are probably people that liked what I, what, what we do now. Right. Like, do you have a chip on your shoulder? Big time. Right. I do not look back on high school fondly. I feel you. If that I, place, I, if that place were financially crumbling and they desperately needed a new wing uh to up to renovate for the the arts and the music department and i had <laughs> 500 million dollars i would spend as much money as i could to make sure they never got that money <laughs> i feel you i feel you i, I would know. i would start fucking smear campaigns saying that it was being misappropriated Speaking of, by the way, there's a great movie you should watch. It's called Bad Education. Did we talk about this? I maybe have seen this. Oh, it's spectacular. It's what is Hugh it Jackman uh, and uh, Alice Janney. Alice and, ja Alice Alice and Janney. Janney. Um, and they are school administrators who, uh, it's a true story of a Long Island high school called Roslyn High School. Oh, yeah. And I think it was in the earlier mid-2000s where these two people were siphoning taxpayer dollars that were meant to go towards school causes and they were buying their own houses in the Hamptons, oh, wow. a New York City apartment, uh, cars, all kinds of things. They spent like eight or nine million dollars. Wow. And nobody saw it for years. And you know who discovered them? Who? A student. Wow. A, a student. 
reporter, <laughs> a student reporter who was writing for the school newspaper broke the story. Unbelievable. It's spectacular. It's a spectacular movie. I would suggest, highly suggest that anyone watch it. I have one more recommendation before we move on. I knew uh, a bunch of kids who were at that, at that school during that time. Did you really? Well, because that was the, the years that we would have been in high school when I was in college. A bunch of kids from Roslyn went to school with me. I would really like to have as a guest on our podcast the young lady who broke that story because I wonder what she's up to now. Is she working at the White House? Is she, you know, uh, the king or queen of some kind of I, – I, I just suspect that girl's doing really well. Right. right. She must be. And it would break my heart to find out that she was washing dishes at the Muddy Rudder. But – <laughs> Worst things have happened to better people. Um, I have one more recommendation before we move on. Okay. I'm reading the best book that I've read in quite some time. Which one? And people like to hear these recommendations. So uh, it's called The End of October, and it's written by Lawrence Wright. Lawrence Wright wrote The Looming Tower, which was the inside story of the hijackers uh, and the, the lead up to 9-11. Uh, he, he won the Pulitzer for that. He also wrote Going Clear, which was the expose on Scientology, oh. which was adapted into an HBO documentary, which was yeah, also was very great. good. Fantastic. And he's heavily featured in that. The book, is, the book is spellbinding, by the way. Both of these books are very good. And now he's written a novel called The End of October. And it is a novel about a global pandemic that is very lethal that wipes out a huge portion of the population and how it spreads and how it gets out. And it came out right on the eve of the coronavirus. No way. And it is so brilliantly researched and it is so eerie how similar his book is to what's happening. I mean, he talks about retail departments going out of business, he talks about the impact on the economy, the way things spread, schools shutting down, second waves. I mean, it's fucking scary, dude. Yeah. Uh, but it's exciting. Totally. Because the, the virus in his book is much more deadly than the coronavirus. So you can, in a way, kind of sit back and be like, whew, could be worse, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, seriously. He's another um, guy I'd really like to have on the podcast, Lawrence Wright. That guy's lived some, ha has got some stories for sure. Yeah, dude, I can write it down. Anyway, <laughs> those are our recommendations. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to drive us in a different direction. You're good. <sighs> Dude, the high school thing reminded me of something specific. There's like a specific way that they used kids used to talk in high school. And some of my friends from high school still do it. And I'm reminded of it when I see them. And it's this very distinct thing where they'll say kid at the end of the sentence. Yeah. But kid is never the same tone as the previous word. And it will either be lower or higher. So here's an example. What's good, kid? Good, kid. Or what's good, kid? <laughs> <laughs> and they all used to do it. And it's really funny when I see them and they'll be like, Julio Gallerati, what's good, kid? Okay, and, so it's up and then down, or is it and then or it's down and up? Well, it's or it's either normal than up. What's, I what's see. good, kid? See, that one feels weird to me. That one feels unnatural. The first one feels <laughs> fine. The first one I would say is more normal, is more regularly used. But I just was like, that's so funny that like that. You know that in Chinese that they do this, right? They I do, have, yeah. That it's all about the way that the, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those Chinese. 
<laughs> I love them. We do um, not. I mean, I don't know if I sp- I'm not speaking for you on this, but I do not hold the Chinese accountable. The Chinese, like, I'm not angry at Chinese people because of this. No, I'm not. I'm not angry be, at the Chinese. I think that would be silly. I mean, I understand being upset about the situation. Or at the a government. lot of people are, though. I will no. say, uh, we've talked it's about this slow. too. It yeah. is. Um, it's weird when all of a sudden you find yourself in a conversation with someone where you're like, wait a minute. Uh, I'm not with you on that. <laughs> Hold I know, on, dude. I know it's a really, it's a up. really troubling thing. I, I never know how to handle it. I'm like, do I want to like roll my sleeves up right now, or can I just like pivot, try to pivot? Yeah, and then you worry that, um, you know, because of what happened. I always think about what happened to Billy Bush, who was the guy who was on that bus with Trump when oh, Trump the grab by the pussy, by the pussy and he was like, ah. And then he got <laughs> fired for it. <laughs> Dude, isn't that insane? I just called him the grab her by the pussy guy, and it's not Trump. It's not Trump. That exactly. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? What know, do you do? That's a tough one. I have had people that I really admire and respect say things to me over the last two months about Chinese people specifically that were unforgivably racist. Yeah. And what am I supposed I, I am I supposed to make a stand? Right. Am I meant to teach them the errors of their ways? Right. It's a tough one, man. And like anytime, like I'm in a group chat too, where people will say all sorts of crazy shit. And I kind of will be like, I disagree. And then like two years later, they'll just forget that they even said that they're like, we're going to war with Iran. Like this year, I'm like, dear guys, we're not going to war with Iran. Didn't happen. And then like, they'll forget that they even said that. So I feel like it's frustrating because it's the same thing happens with this. Like the guy who sent me the picture of a guy fucking chicken and who was like, see, see what they do. I'm like, dude, oh my God. this is insane. This is not what they do. Like, I don't, maybe, I don't know, whatever. Also, this has nothing to do. Like, I get this is a jarring video, but yeah, not compelling. Yeah, you you could find Americans fucking chickens, probably. <laughs> There's people, yeah. That that happens. Fucking chickens is probably not exclusive to Chinese people. Certainly, gourds, of some <laughs> kind. Uh, yeah, farmers <laughs> and stuff. Um. <laughs> well, oh gosh. So what do you got? I'm, I got a question for you, and this Please. is a thing that I've found my. I, I've always I notice it more when I'm single, but. It's incredible how I'll say like some like some kind of like lovey dovey shit that's like kind of cringy to my girlfriend and like not think it twice, but then I'll hear people that I know doing it to each other and I like judge them and hate them. Totally. Totally. Why is that? Well, um, is love just totally blinding? I would say that when you see other people do it subconsciously there is some shame in knowing that you do it too and it's like holding up a mirror to your own behavior and saying like oh you may not acknowledge it on this level but you're like oh anyone who does that is gross grow up and then there's a part of you in the back recesses of your mind that realizes you're that guy too interesting is, it, is there any chance that it's all, it has something to do with just like our ability to be massive hypocrites? Sure. But, but I, I think maybe that doesn't necessarily have to go against the idea that deep down you're ashamed of yourself also. Uh, I, you're right. I think those two things can be true at once. They can be true at once. Yes. 
But dude, you know, I, I will say this too. An extension of that thought is that I am far more disgusted by the PDA of people who are unattractive than I am of people who are attractive. <laughs> that's fucked up. But I guess that's, that's definitely real. This is what comes to mind. A couple summers ago, I was at Union Square Station in Manhattan waiting for the subway to come. And it was July. So it was 110 degrees down there. And there's no escape. You know, right. you are sweating through your back, through your front. It's disgusting. It's I look over and four or five feet away is a young couple, uh, probably like freshmen or sophomores in high school, my guess. And the guy had that kind of disgusting peach fuzz mustache that is not <laughs> from like intention, but rather from maybe he just hasn't admitted that he needs to start right. shaving. You haven't crossed that bridge yet. <laughs> you see that a lot in the Latin community. I, I, anyway. Um, and he, I mean, he was, he had pimples all over his face. He was quite, he, he was like, his body wasn't good. And uh, he was making out with his girlfriend and making out in a way where like you could hear it. You right. could hear it over the industrial air vent that was directly over our head, over the <laughs> clang and clatter of four and five trains pulling into the station, announcements from the MBA or the MTA. You could hear this couple smacking lips. It sounded like someone stirring Annie's mac and cheese, right? I was fucking revolted. <laughs> I had to walk away down the platform. Having said that, if I'm in Central Park, and I'm at the reservoir, and I see a beautiful Emily Radikowski and her <laughs> curly-haired, cute, sort of impish boyfriend sucking face as swans paddle by lazily. I'm going to go, oh. <laughs> but what if they're on the subway? If those, those two have too much class to make out on the subway. That is true. That's a good point. I, I also think you transport the first couple to the Swan Lake. I'm still disgusted. The problem is, though, it's a it's you're already miserable in the subway, so you're already your nerves have already been triggered. I bet that the gross, peach fuzz, smelly couple. Let's just make them smelly. Yeah, they did at, smell for at sure. At the lake is less. It's got. It's less offensive at the lake. Come on. Maybe from a distance. Maybe from. <laughs> if I'm close enough to see that peach fuzz and to hear the lips. And the tongue, you know, it was a, it was the kind of kiss where they were stuck together and they were just moving their tongues around like a blender. Oh yeah, not like not like kiss, come back, kiss again, num 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 num. It wasn't that. It was let's lock and load yeah. and stir. Let's stir things. <laughs> let's stir our tongues. Let's clean each other's teeth with our tongues. Fucking disgusting. Dude, the macaroni and cheese is a funny. Sound for that. Oh, big vat of it, dude. You don't. You don't seem like a like baby talk person. Are you? You know, we do. We I do a little bit, but I wouldn't even call it baby talk. It's not like goo 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 goo. I don't know how I would describe it. Um, I do talk. I talk in like you know what I do. I sing in a falsetto. Oh, that's nice. 
No, it's not. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. That's higher, right? Yeah, I'll sing in a, a high-pitched voice. Like, I'll sing songs to the dog in the morning, but for her benefit. So give us an example. Good morning, little Kojai. It's time to wake up. You shouldn't be lying here like a little pup. It's such a beautiful day. You shouldn't be here this way. So good morning, little Kojai. It's time to get up. <laughs> and this is directed at the, your girlfriend or I the dog? It at the top of my lungs to the dog, but knowing that she's within earshot. <laughs> Do you wake up with energy? Some days. Depends on how many edibles I took the night before. Oh, yeah. Weed hangovers are really, really tough. Yeah, my dosage is a fine line between uh, um, being, you know, kind of coming out of, like, anesthesia <laughs> versus hopping out of bed and, you know, stretching and singing with the canaries. Well, dude, that's, that's an interesting thing to examine though because those days where you took an edible the night before and had a great time and you wake up with energy those actually do me a disservice because of how seldom that happens i chase the dragon hang on you're saying that because you haven't learned your lesson you still think it's fine no like i'll have one night that i'm all like one day where i like i took I, I don't i don't take edibles so say i smoke and then i wake up in the morning with a ton of energy I will anytime, then like I'll have five days in a row where I go to bed and wake up exhausted, but I still reference that one time mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it went great. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping, but I need to, I just need to get my dose dosage in line like you. We could sort you out. I'm, I, I bought a lot of edibles. Uh, the edible menu here is spectacular. It's very diverse. I'll bring a bunch back. It's legal. So I have like a medical card that is wow. complete horseshit. Um, I got it online. It was the equivalent for marijuana of the process you go through with four hymns to get Propecia. Oh. Have What's you that? done that? No. Okay. And I don't even mean to plug this company, but let's say, uh, I think Roman is like this too, where you, you get a, you have a doctor consultation to go on the hair loss medicine uh, that is prescribed. Mm -hmm. And all I had to do for that was to take a picture of the front of my head and the back of my head. And then I sent it in. And five minutes later, some doctor emailed me and was like, you are your case is very, blah, 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 blah. you, I'm recommending you for this. And I've been on this prescription medicine for multiple years. With, does it work? Yes. Like, were does. you losing your hair? I was, and I've gotten it back. Wow. And it's rooted in place. It fortifies your front line. Wow, that's great. And does it affect, do you have side effects from it? At first, I thought it was causing some erectile dysfunction issues. Wow. But then I just realized the air conditioning was on too high. <laughs> this is a true story? Yeah. <laughs> I was just cold. I was too cold. Oh, my God. I'm very amazing. temperature sensitive. That's why I always stayed away from those hot and cold sensation condoms. <laughs> <laughs> who would want that by the way yeah that's insane bro who that's... wants icy hot during sex yeah it's like no thanks anyway so um the the weed situation here i applied online i said i had elbow pain that's true i had a big elbow surgery and it's kind of nagged at me ever since and uh within minutes i had an email with a, a medical card from california it was 50 bucks and that allowed me access into these medical 
stores in Maine, which there are dozens of them. And Maine law, uh, recreational marijuana is legal in Maine. But the storefronts have not been given permission yet to sell to non-medical customers. Right. They're rolling that out, I think, quite soon. Um, But I'm going in and I'm buying, I mean, the amount you're allowed to buy is preposterous. (laughs) You know, you can buy like an an ounce every week or more, much more than that. And it's super cheap up here in Maine. So I'm going to buy a bunch and I'm not allowed to do this, but I'm going to bring it across state lines back to New York. (laughs) Sweet. Hey, so before the we 12 go, aren't listening. Yeah, I want to um I want to ask you, have you been following this call her daddy situation? Not really. Um I've heard a little bit about it, but I haven't really been following it. Yeah, so I used to work at Barstool as a lot of people probably know, and uh I worked a little bit with these girls. They they weren't they weren't in the office ever. So we didn't cross paths much, but I will say that every exchange I had that with them was very pleasant. And I think there's this uh impulse to root against them and to to cast them as the the villains in this story but in my experience they were perfectly pleasant wonderful people who sat upon and built one of the most successful podcasts in america um the funniest thing to me is that i have been getting three or four text messages a day from different people asking me what my take is or if i've heard about the crazy shit going on with call her daddy and yet, uh, by the way, your buddy, your buddy just came in. I did. <laughs> He's very stealth. He just peeked his head in. Um, <laughs> but dude, nobody gets the title of the podcast right. What is it? I call keep her getting daddy? texts that are like, yeah, it's call her daddy. And everyone's like, dude, have you seen what's going on with call me maybe? Have you like, dude, what's your take on call her father? Like, yo, yo, what's the deal with, with my name is Derek? Like, you know, it's so all over the place and it makes me laugh every fucking time. So funny. Um, but I will say that, you know, my take is basically that, um, it sounds like these girls flew too close to the sun. I think that they were, uh, they were, they believed, rightfully so, that their podcast, thanks to its success, rendered them invincible and, and in a position to make uh, demands that were, were probably not realistic. Um, and then Barstool, still owning the IP, uh, countered, and it, it is now devolving. And uh, I guess there's a lesson there, which is that, like, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds you and try to, to try to work it out. But um, I don't have any, anything beyond that really, to be honest with you. In my experience, the last thing I will say is that when I was at Barstool and I went and asked for a raise because I had taken on a lot more duties, namely the morning radio show, I went in and I asked for a number and I was very nervous to ask for that. I asked Dave, and he said, okay, let me talk to Eric. We'll come back to you. And then they came back like 30% higher than the number I had asked for. Oh, wow. That's great. And I was expecting them to counter below, which is why I had asked for this certain number. Wow. So in my, in my one experience, they were very rewarding 
of uh, of an honest kind of approach to trying to get a raise and and uh, and paying people fairly. That was you, that was my experience. And you know, dude, I, this is it says a lot about your character um, that you are willing to say nice things about them and not be petty about the situation. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I have no. I've said this many times. I don't really have any ill will towards Barstool. Um, it's all towards your high school friends. <laughs> yes, exactly. If my high school friends were working at Barstool, I would hate that company, <laughs> and I would do. I would spend all the money I had to make sure they never got raises. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. no. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I always. Anyway, so we we've been down that road before, but. Um, that's my take on the call her daddy thing in some. Yeah. Yeah. I got to read up a little bit more about it, but it sounds like an unfortunate situation, especially like there's probably, it sounds like, you know, I, I, again, I don't know the specifics, but it sounds like uh, there, they, if they had handled it maybe in a different fashion, there could have been some salvageable situation where everybody could have been happy. And, and there may still be, right. there may still be. Uh, it sounds like Alex was willing to come back to the table and, and negotiate. Um, but yeah, I think in the end, it is kind of a loss for everybody because Barstool was making a ton of money from that podcast. It was a very successful podcast. I don't think based on Dave's counteroffers that they wanted to see it, uh, you know, disintegrate into a feud. But um, sometimes these things are unavoidable. And especially so when you're talking about a product that explodes as quickly and as astro astronomically as theirs did. Right, right. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts for our, our dear friends? Yeah, I'm shout out to my high school friends. Hell yeah, dude. Love you guys and girls. Uh, and, you know, hopefully I'll see you more. And shout did out to get, all my friends. Did you get bullied? Did you ever get bullied? Not really. A couple, like a couple times, little things. Like there's a couple kids who would pick on me a little, but like it wasn't that, it wasn't too bad. Like in middle see, school, a little. I, I got bullied. Right. And then the sad part, which I'm sad to admit, is that I would then bully, I would sort of pass forward the bullying. Tends to happen. But I didn't really realize that I was right. bullying. I was too right. stupid to realize what I was doing. But I've had people reach out. I have one person, a girl, reach out to me saying that she's now a fan, but that growing up she was just, you know, traumatized by some of the things that I said to her. Jesus. Hurt. <laughs> it hurt. Yeah, it was a bad thing. But, you know, she probably has no idea that, that I was dealing with my own demons and I was being too. And that's a what good I, lesson to learn for everybody. Yes. What goes around comes around. Treat others as you would hope to be treated. Uh, those are our messages of the day. And um, <laughs> fuck your high school friends. <laughs> hey, that's Oops the Podcast. Want to bring us out, G? You're good at that. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but uh, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Um, over 700,000 downloads now. Unfucking believable. Hell yeah. Um, thank you guys for helping us build this up to where it's at. Um, and if you're not uh, fully hooked yet, join us. Hell yeah. In the Oops movement. We're um, having a blast. Yeah. So send us your stories and stuff. We got some good ones, uh, some good emails from you guys. Anything you want to share, uh, we'll, we'll read some of them on the air. And that is all. I'm Julio Gallerati. Follow me, not Julio. He is Francis Ellis. Follow him at Francis C.C. Ellis. You got anything else to plug? No, our email is uh, oopsthepodcast at gmail.com. Correct. And uh, yeah, the Instagram is well, oopsthepodcast. Uh, thank you guys. Adios. We'll see you soon. Bye.